Hello and welcome to Terrace Memoirs, episode two of the Her Game 2 series, uh, the latest delve into the life of a football supporter. Uh, as uh, mentioned in the, the intro and the episode with Leah, uh, this particular month is dedicated to women football supporters and women in football in general. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm Dave Harris, Reading fan of 32 years, season ticket holder for 22 of those. Um, and quick note, just with Friendly's Complete, uh, we're finally on the cusp of the opening match of Euro 2020, uh, albeit a year late. Uh, and I, for one, will be watching England and Wales matches with intent. If you're wondering why both England and Wales, it's because, a um, little bit of a secret, I'm English-born to Welsh heritage. Um, so, um, England and Wales matches it is. Um, Regrettable to still hear people choosing to boo taking the knee, um, despite Gareth Southgate providing a, an as-ever article in a recent press conference. Kudos to every player for continuing to take the knee in respect to all fans supporting them. Uh, and in keeping with this particular series, the Her Game 2 series, this podcast and I will continue to support any anti-discrimination act uh, and measure going forward. Um, as mentioned... This episode delves into the life of um, a woman football supporter, in this case, gassed Lucy, Lucy Ford. Uh, hello. Of, hello. Uh, a supporter of Bristol Rovers since 2006. More recently, um, having taken the decision to recreate the Her Game 2 campaign with um, the 11 other ladies that feature on the original video. Um, and you yourself, Lucy, you feature as the fifth lady in that video. Is that right? Uh, yes, I am. Yes. Uh, you may also have heard uh, Lucy on the Her Game 2 intro. She helped uh, out with Kaz uh, with that. And uh, once again, many thanks. But uh, shall we just say welcome back? Yes, yes. Thank you for having me back on. Absolutely fine. Not a problem. So, um, Gasshead, Bristol Rovers, uh, the north end of Bristol, Gloucestershire, call it what you will, Gloucester Road. Um, it's not been a great season, has it? Uh, no, it's been it's been a, a rubbish season, if I'm honest. Um, I mean, for, finishing bottom of the league is well, it's the worst place to finish, to be honest. I, don't, I think there's no uh, no uh, getting away from that. Um, I mean, we're now through three managers, one which is currently going through a court case as I speak, which is also a little bit worrying, but it's something that happened before he came to Rovers. Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, that that's, uh, <laughs> relates to to is it the an incident. Uh, while it was Fleetwood manager, yeah? Uh, yes, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. yeah, no, three managers, a lot of different players. And, yeah, it's just it's just not been a very good season, to be honest. And I think the only saving grace, as much as I love going to football, is the fact that we weren't there to watch it because it, on I follow it, it was painful at times. I had a season, mm -hmm. season ticket, so I didn't have to pay for every single game. But still, like, getting to the end, it was just getting really, really tough to watch it. Really, yeah. really tough. Do you, do you think having uh, having an empty ground um, exacerbated the issue? And do you think you you uh, your, and your fellow supporters could have made a difference, or do you think it would have been relegation regardless of whether you were there or not? Um, I definitely think we would have made a difference. You know, I think a lot of fans who come to Rovers, fans, players, managers, they'll they'll say, "Oh, I know what the crowd's about. They are the twelfth man." You know, we will cheer them on even if they're doing rubbish. And I think not having that um, in some ways is obviously a good thing. But also when their performances have been poor, which they were quite a lot during this season, we weren't there. I wouldn't say to get on their backs, but 
to to explain to players they're not doing they're not good enough it's you know you can only express your opinion so much on social media or on the radio or whatever avenues you use but without being there to to vocalize it, it's been really really hard and really frustrating as a fan so I think yeah I think the players have missed out because I honestly don't think that uh, I don't know maybe one of our managers might not have lasted as long as he did if the, um, especially at the beginning of the season with our performances you know we didn't start very well we we had like a couple of half decent spells but yeah it definitely definitely makes a difference at Rovers with the 12th man there mm-hmm. so Barton took took charge uh was it in January um no it's February so he just came in just February, after the yes. yeah because he didn't get the transfer window that was to still, no, to still sure. the transfer window and then I think it was literally a couple of weeks after that he was uh Tistel was gone and Joey came in Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so clearly, you know, he he obviously wasn't able to work um, any sort of motivational magic or any tactical magic with the players that he had at his disposal. Um, but there's a there's been a, a, a sizable um, uh, released list, uh, not quite a sizable retained list, and you know, clearly there's going to be there's going to be um, a lot of fresh faces uh, next season. So obviously, division below, but is it? Is the feeling generally one of optimism amongst the assets, or is it um, is it kind of a little bit of trepidation? Um, well, my personal opinion is optimism. You know, I, I, my instinct when Joey came in was I'm just going to judge him as manager. Obviously, this season hasn't been great. He didn't get many wins. Obviously, ended up being relegated. But I have to bear in mind that it wasn't his team. He'd inherited a bunch of players from two different managers. We didn't recruit a striker in January, which. I definitely think was one of one of the key key reasons we did go down, and our planning and recruitment in the summer and January would just just killed our season really. But yeah, I think I'm quite excited. Like looking at Joey's team, we've seen what he was about at Fleetwood. Played good football. Um, he's made four signings already. Two of them were people he knew at Fleetwood. Um, a couple are like northern based players, which is kind of surprising because that's quite a a shift come from from like the northwest or the northeast, um, because one player's come from Carlisle and the others come from Accrington, um, mm-hmm. you know, to move all the way down to the southwest when then that's not the area they're from. It's you know quite a big move, um, and both I think three out of the four players are late twenties to mid thirties, which is definitely what we needed. We've lacked experience, um, well this season we that's what that was our downfall in Jan in the summer um, we got rid of experienced players and got in I think our strike force had something like under 50 league appearances between three of them or it or they were so young that they had like very very limited experience in the football league so yeah so I mean I'm I'm hopeful for next season I think you know obviously there's a lot more players to come in I think there'll be a lot more players gone um, and I'm just interested and hopeful to see what Joey's team has to offer, really. And I'm mm. hoping that we could bounce back up first time. You know, getting relegated is not not the easiest for any club. Um, but I look around like League Two and I look at the teams and I just I think League One is a very strong league. I just don't see the same strengths in League Two if we could get off to a good start, which is something that we do struggle to do. <laughs> um, who knows? So yeah, I've got my optimistic head on and say we'll do all right uh-huh. next season. Good stuff. So it's been fifteen years um, this season since your first game. You mentioned to me earlier that, that was August two thousand and six was your first game. Yes, August two thousand and six. Um, we played Shrewsbury Town 
um, and we won one nil through a goal by Lewis Haldane. Um, and I went with my dad, um, who's been going since Eastall days on and off with his friends and things. Um, and yeah, I got we got the tickets. My dad went to a summer ball with my mum, and he ended up swapping. They'd won like for a raffle. Um, we'd actually won like f- uh, local far- farm tickets, and me and my younger sister, who doesn't she doesn't like football, um, were a little bit older at that point. I think we was like ten and eight, and we didn't really appreciate it. And there was a guy I think at the same table or uh, near. And he'd won two tickets to watch Rovers. And he said, oh, I'm, I'm not a football fan, but I've got two young kids. Do you mind if we swap? Um, and mm. I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and then we went to the game and I just remember just completely falling in love with it. I mean, I've watched football on TV before. I remember Euro 2004 and then the World Cup um, in 2006 uh, the, when England playing out in Germany. Um, so that stuck in my head, and I, I remember having like the sticker book and stuff. Um, and it's actually quite funny. My mum always tells me she said I should have known you were going to be into football because when you, you were just a couple of weeks old and Euro '96 was on, I went. She went to go and have a bath, and then she came down, and my dad had worked, like been working, um, and he was sat with me, and mum was like, "Oh, she's so calm and quiet." is she okay and she said oh yeah she's just watching the football and the football was on the tv and I was peaceful as anything but my eyes were <laughs> fixated on the tv so I said you should have known re- them really that I was going to be a football fan um but yeah in that 2006-07 season I only went to three games so that league game and then I went to the Millennium Stadium to watch Rovers play Doncaster Rovers in the Johnson Paint Trophy final Mm-hmm. which was absolutely incredible. Uh, it just, it's one of those days that I just remember everything about it, just the sea of blue and white and the cars, everybody driving across the bridge, uh, standing outside the pub, just hearing people with foam fingers, bubble hats, everything. And and it was just just an incredible day. Although going 2-0 down inside five minutes was not okay, but I should have known because that's Rovers. Then we got back to 2-2, um, but we lost an extra time, which is a bit gutting. Um, and then the third game took place seven weeks later and we were back at a big stadium again. We played at New Wembley mm-hmm. um, on the 26th of May 2007 and I know this because it was a week before my 11th birthday and I remember we get into the playoffs, I think it was at Brownies or something and we were playing the second semi-final against Lincoln City and, and, and the week before mm-hmm. we'd gone and watched it in the pub um, and Dad was like, "Oh, Dad was like, oh, how do you think we're getting on?" I said, like, oh, "I don't know." And I think at that point we were four one up or something on the night, so it was like something like seven two on aggregate. So I knew we pretty much won. We were on our way to Wembley, and my mum and I was like, "Oh," and she was like, "Right, now you're gonna have to make a decision. Like for your birthday, like, do you want to go to?" like a restaurant for like a meal with your friends or do you want to go to Wembley I was like I want to go to Wembley I want to go to Wembley (laughs) so after ringing and ringing and ringing my dad I think he spent like 40 coals trying to get through (laughs) we managed to get the tickets and we went up to Wembley on this coach I think it's from like a local football club and again it's one of those days I just remember everything from getting up at like half a six in the morning uh, bacon and sausage sandwiches at the place getting on the coach and it was a bit of a rowdy coach and obviously I was quite young at that time I was almost almost 11 years old um, but it ended up being really fun because everyone was like singing and 
especially on the way back because we won three one and got promoted. So it's quite incredible that in the first season I, I've I watched Rovers, we got to two finals at two different grounds. I don't think many many people can say that in their first season. Um, no, sure. Yeah, uh, it's in, interesting. There's a lot of parallels there with with Taz because her first game was yeah. uh, the JPT final. Yeah, we were. Te- she was. We were talking about it recently, and I said I cannot believe that we both went to the same like, our first kind of games in the same season were just what a few months apart, and we never we never really knew each other until the last couple of years. But then, yeah, the year after, um, I started going more to like league games. I think I went to my first away game, um, and I started going with my nan and granddad. Um, and I was standing in the family enclosure. Um, my granddad, um, he he was a massive gas head. He went to his first game in March 1950, and he was taken by his granddad. So Rovers is all the way through, um, mm-hmm. and even up to like the season, like the the previous season being curtailed, he was going home and away. He had a season ticket, but um, sadly we lost him about six weeks ago. Um, so that's been really, really difficult. He actually passed away on the same day Rovers got relegated. So um, mm-hmm. it's a bit, of a, a bit of a strange one for me watching Rovers get relegated. Well, I had been relegated in the afternoon and then losing like my best, my best friend and someone who was such a massive influence on the reason why I'm a football fan in that morning. But, you know, one, one of the things I said to him before he passed away was that I'd always carry on supporting Rovers for him and for his granddad as well. So as soon as the season tickets came out, I I bought my season ticket and I was like, well, there you go. I said, well, mm-hmm. oh, you'll be back. You'll be back at the Mem when I go back next season. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely going to be hard for me going back. Obviously, I, in, obviously in some ways, I'm, I'm so excited to go back. You know, I've really missed going to watch live football. It's the thing that... You know, it's my favourite thing to do on a weekend, but it's going to be so hard because a person that I sh- I would text every day, every day, probably about football or there'd be news. Like today, there was a pre-season friendly. So he'd be the first person I text or new sign-ins or anything. And I used to we used to ring each other every Sunday after a home game or away game and just chat about things. I loved hearing his stories. We used to go away on the coach quite a lot as well, and we would go somewhere and he would tell me a story about, oh, we went to this ground and we play this and this person scored. And I'd be like, how can you remember all this? And I was just in awe of his stories. But yeah, he's such a, he always will be such a massive influence on, um, on, you know, my foot, like my footballing background, I guess. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just, yeah, I just hope that we can get promoted and just do a bit better for him really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's, your, your your love for him, obviously, you know, I can hear it through 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 your words. Um, when it comes to the football, I think with uh, um, family connections, um, our elder um, statesmen within the family tend they, they really do. Or certainly, I found they really do um, influence your, um, your your footballing principles, really, because everybody's got their, their different ideas. Um, and they're different um, ways that they like to see the game being played. And I know certainly from, from my experience with my uncle, uh, who, who originally started taking me, uh, we have very similar ideas and very similar uh, um, um, thoughts and feelings on, on, on the, what, what kind of football excites us. Um, and I'm sure um, and that, that, that comes through with, you know, with those stories that get told. Um, from the elder elder family members, 
Um, and I'm pretty sure, I'm sure if we, um, if we spoke um, about some of those, uh, those stories, um, you'd find that there would be a lot of common ground thoughts and ideas. Um, um, is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think we, when I speak to him, he'd always have a way. I, I, I can't, I can't describe it because he'd just have a way of discussing the game or, or, or like reflecting on the game that was balanced and fair. And it was just, I just, it used to be like the always. It was. It would never get too high, and it never get too low, and it was always fair. And but he was always a glass half more, half full man as well. So that's something that always sticks with me. So yeah. Um, and one of the things, one of the last things we kind of talked about before he was really unwell was when Joey came in, and I think he was won a couple of games, and he said, you know, he's going to do all right for us. So that's what I hope. Anyway, I hope he does. I hope yeah. he does all right for us. And um, but yeah, no, it's just it's it's. That's that's the sort of thing that you I I certainly miss is um just talking to him about football and you know you when you lose someone someone said to me so when you lose someone you lose a whole encyclopedia of not knowledge and for him he's mm-hmm. like my football knowledge uh, you know and it, it's 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 funny really because he probably did like so many grounds and probably met so many people he's probably done I'd say probably thousands of games and there was a point when he was I think in the 90s he used to drive to away games and he told me once he drove to Sunderland on a Friday night and I was like there and back on a Friday night I was like I could not do well I don't drive anyway I was like that is just dedication like he he was (laughs) like he's I know like oh people say that someone's like a legend or you know, but he definitely was like a legend to me and like the, our football club. And it just, it was obviously, we had some real rough times watching Rovers. Like we, I think the season we got relegated at the Football League, I think we did most of the away games. Mm-hmm. I only saw him win twice. Um, at Oxford and Wickham and Wickham was the last away game before the... Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, before the, uh, um, I remember it. Was yeah, it a last minute for, winner as well with a pitching moment? No, it was, um, it was an early, I think it was early goals. I think we were... Um, I think the goals were quite early on in the game. Um, but yes, there was a pitch invasion at the end, and I, I was like, I can't do that. That's just not me. I was like, but then obviously when we had to leave the ground, we actually go on the pitch because there was just no way of getting out. So it felt really weird. I was like, I want another team's pitch, and then a week later, everything changed, and that was yeah, that was hard. But then we've had so many Mansfield, amazing. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was that was that that that, that just, even just thinking about it makes me feel sick inside. But then we had two of probably the best seasons, even though we went down to the conference, we we bounced back, we were winning all the time, and we got promoted at Wembley, which is probably one of the most stressful days I've ever ever had watching football. Uh, I mean, I can't go into it too much, but I was just I was sick with nerves on the train up and I've never I'm never ever nervous like that so that's how much that day went and it was just relief mm-hmm. when that penalty went in and then the following season we did something even more incredible we did back to back promotion and that was the last one it went there against Dagenham and I was I was I was down behind the goal now and my mum my auntie my nan and my granddad were stood in the family enclosure and then that day we all did pitch invade <laughs> because we just done something <laughs> absolutely incredible and I remember just looking over and I saw them and I said to the steward, like, everyone's on the pitch, like, do you mind if I go up there? And I was like, my family. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. So off I went, I just gave him a hug and he had tears in his eyes. And I just thought, oh, this is just the best day I'll ever have at football. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I'm I'm just grateful really to just share so many memories. And uh, you know, every Saturday, I used to, I used to just love going to football. I, I probably used to enjoy away days more just because you'd be traveling to different parts of the country, and it'd be silly things like you'd like a service station. So there's a service station on the way to Manchester. Um, called Sandbatch and they do McDonald's and he'd yep. love that yep. service station um, and he'd like having it and he's like he's like you get off the coach first and he's like give you the money he's like you know what we want to order and off I'd go into the st- off I'd go into the services and it seems like that and I I must have um, used to live in Manchester and I was on the way back about a year ago and I was looking through my old text and I said oh I've just drove past Sandbatch and I was like that's I said oh yes my favourite's favorite service station so i hope you had a mcdonald's <laughs> and it's just and i saw it recently it just made me laugh and i said oh if there's things like that really like things that you think about and any older players or but then there's also things that make me laugh such as he never liked trevor cattle that was his least favorite referee so anytime i was yeah. gonna get Trevor cattle i'm just gonna think to myself and laugh and thought well granddad really disliked this referee <laughs> he was you'd always say oh god he's always gonna give us a bad decision against us so anytime mm-hmm. i see him i'm just gonna laugh yeah i i i i <laughs> I, I know how he feels uh, keith stroud is my my least favorite referee <laughs> I, yeah i definitely heard of that name before i think every i think every fan has probably got their least favorite <laughs> Yeah. I know I know we, we have to be like nice but you know if they've given bad decisions against your team you always have a right to have a little bit of a moan. So moving on then um, clearly we've covered your first season and the second season um, at what point um, did you start becoming what, what, for want of a better word not, not detached um, but start thinking okay I want to go to games on my own um, and start developing um, sort of friendships away from family? Um, I'd say it's probably when I got to about um, 15, 16. Um, so on my 16th birthday, my, my grandparents actually bought me my first seven season ticket, um, which was such like, it was. I think I cried. <laughs> it was such a lost <laughs> gesture. Um, um, so, yeah, and then I think as of that, I kind of, I think that was when I started to change my mind and kind of wanted to go into like the family, um, no, change from the family enclosure to the black, what was the Blackthorn end at the time. And yeah. my dad started going. Thatcher's end more. now, beyond the goal. Yeah, now the Thatcher's end, yeah. yeah. And my dad started going a bit more because um, he hadn't been very well um, for a couple, he hadn't been well, so he wasn't really able to go to football. So I started to go with him a bit more. And then that's that's kind of where it all kind of started, really. And then as I've got older, um, I went obviously I went away to uni and so I couldn't go back to every single game so it was kind of a case of kind of traveling to games on my own um, and you just kind of meet people that way because there's always people that turn up early or you go to a pub and you might see someone who's a Rovers fan so that's kind of how I made friends and using social media and I would say it's only really in the last kind of a uh, couple of years I've got like a really nice group of friends now like Rovers fans and like been been on away games with them, um, mm-hmm. met them at games because I, I used to live in Manchester as well. So then I had to travel to games a lot. Obviously, I still meet up with my nan and granddad, but you know, you meet other people, you see them in the pubs, and then they're like, "Oh, just come and like get in a taxi with us," or "Oh, we're in this pub, come and meet us." So yeah, that's kind of how it's kind of developed really. But I think for a long time, I kind of 
I wouldn't say I felt like a need to go and like see my nan and granddad before game, um, because they used to get there quite early. They go and sit in the clubhouse. In their same spot with a portion of chips and tea so that was what they used to do and obviously that was part of my routine for a long time yeah until, like, really I was a little bit older but then obviously once you know got to a certain age and go in the pub I kind of choose to go in the pub with my dad but I'd always try and come in and see them before they went in and obviously now obviously next season like that won't be there that that need to go in the clubhouse because they won't be there and um, yeah, so it was kind of like creating a new routine, really. So I'll probably go to the pub um, down the road on, on Gloucester Road um, with my friends before and after games. But it's nice, really, because um, my dad's like, you know, I, I want you to go off with your friends and have a good time. Like, we're always going to be able to watch games together. Like, we'll probably watch stuff at home, like during the Euros. Obviously, there's times where I'll probably be out with my friends and he'll probably be out with his friends. Um, but yeah, no, it's you know, it's knowing that though like we're gonna be in the same end. We just not won't not be stood stood together, just wave to him <laughs> wave to him across the uh, the uh, barrier probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I, I I chuckle when you uh when you were talking about your nan and grand granddad then. Um it's just it is it, it's funny just how routines never or very, very rarely what well, routines never change. The, the older you get, the more you get um uh it's almost what's the word i'm looking for um rigid it's, it, rigid exactly that um, yeah <laughs> you say exactly the same seats to get there early with their chips and their well, yeah because i could i could just envisage you know this this lovely old this lovely old couple who've got you got your first ever season ticket yeah. um and you know every single time if you walk in there they, you know they'll give you that that grandparently smile that every grandparent gives their gives their grandchildren. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it makes me such a heartwarming thought. Yeah, and it just makes me smile think about it because I can just imagine it now. And you know, they would someone would always try and give up their chair for me, and I was like, "But I'm the young one; you can't give up a chair for me." And they're like, <laughs> "Or my nan would save a spot so I could sit down." And um, and yeah, and then he would always, granddad would always chat about he said what do you think is going to happen are we going to win today and you know mm-hmm. I always loved doing that and then my nan liked to go in like early and um be in their spot because they always stood in the same spot in the family enclosure um and then obviously I'd wave them off and I'd probably go on the other side of the bar with my dad and just have a couple of drinks before 10 to 3 and mm-hmm. then off we went into the into the ground um back yeah. into the uh, back into the the thatcher's end and to go watch 90 minutes of sometimes good days sometimes bad days sometimes crazy days <laughs> you just never know yes. what's going to happen um but yeah but, definitely, but, but yeah and definitely um bless my granddad he loved routines so he liked to be on time or early so as I got older I think that was another reason I started to go with my dad he started to pick me up earlier and earlier and earlier which, which is fine <laughs> um and there's a couple of occasions that always stick in my head. I think we were, it must have been a home game. And we were, um, I think he said he was going to come pick me up at like half 11, um, you know, for a game that kicked off at three to sit in the clubhouse for two hours is a bit long. Um, but bless him, that's what they like to do. So obviously, so off I went. 11.15 comes around and there's a knock at the door. And mum's like, they're here already. I'm like, oh no, I'm only like, I'm just putting my hair or 
you know, I'm like, I'm not ready. I've not packed my bag. And then, um, and then I, he, I was like, he's looking at his watch. He's looking at his watch. And, you know, you have to run downstairs and get your shoes Come on. Come on, Grandad, you've got your routine, but let me do my routine as well, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he, he definitely liked, he would definitely turn up 15 minutes before um, <laughs> I had to go. And that's something yeah. I had to get used to. So I think that was one of the reasons I started to go with my dad because it's getting earlier and earlier. And I, I can't sit in the clubhouse from half past 11. It's just obscene. No, sure. And I, one... I remember, uh, sorry, I've got to I got um, just, just chip in here with a little, little memory of mine. <laughs> I remember my uncle, um, as I said, he was the one that used to take me. I used to, uh, used to be around my nans. And with him, it was the opposite. He would seem to be getting there later and later and later. And it would get like sort of two o'clock, and we live, you know, we live sort of one junction away from uh, um, from the Madeski. Um, and he'd get there sort of ten past two, quarter past two, and it was getting to sort of like twenty past two sometimes. Um, and you know, you still got to get down there, you got to park up, and if you've been to the Madeski, which I'm presuming you have at some point, um, it, you know, you know, if if you go, in, it's three and a half miles out of town. There isn't really any any um, any free parking anywhere near. So we would park in the, in the nearest. Uh, residential estate which is half an hour's walk oh, oh for god's sake i can't be doing this and it's just you know you'd be getting so late and so late and it'd just be so bloody stressful because you knew you were going to miss the kickoff um and that's that's the biggest thing and i think that's one of the things that's engendered in me um is um is that experience uh, is that i would much much rather this is where your granddad's coming from i'm presuming i would much much rather be three hours early for something than a minute late that is something he always used to say so he said i'd rather be two hours late uh, two hours early than one minute late he, that always stuck mm-hmm. in my head as something that he said um but one one occasion that always sticks in my head and I do laugh about this now is when we play Southampton in the FA Cup um called mm-hmm. no uh fifth round yeah. and it was half past 12 kickoff so it was early and I remember him and my nan coming to pick me up I think it was like nine o'clock in the morning and we parked up outside the mem uh like on a side street uh it was only probably like a five ten minute walk into the ground at half past nine and we were sat there eating sandwiches <laughs> and I didn't get into the ground <laughs> until like we weren't getting into the ground till 11 and this is a time where I think I must have been only again 11 12 so wouldn't have social media I, I probably had a phone but not a very good one that we just listen to the radio and I mean obviously at the time you know you don't like complain but now I'd be like how could I sit in a car for an hour and a half before kickoff I think I would have gone stir crazy <laughs> I just but yeah that always yeah. that always sticks in my head but I definitely laugh about it now because you know that was his routine and he liked to be early and yeah but obviously there's you know there's a certain kind of level of earliness but now now but then I obviously started going with my dad and he would like kind of leave at like half 12 one there's still obviously something in me that like likes to be at least around midday um and I think definitely next season that will probably be in my plan like get to the pub around midday-ish so it means yeah, having to get up early on a Saturday morning again and I'm not used to it's Saturday relaxing morning. isn't it though that's just it you know you don't want to be in that rush you don't want to you know go and meet your friends and actually you know you want to have that when it comes to having the drinks you you want to be able to you know just you know sort of drink your drink at your own yeah. leisure and not have to kind of chug it down yeah, yeah and like I, soak I, up the I, atmosphere I get exactly really. where you're even, coming from even in a pub like you want to just soak up the atmosphere and um and in your own way because i know everyone's got their own little routines and stuff that they do before or after a game um but yeah no i, I it's it's just it's funny because there's things that i've not thought about in ages like reminiscing and and thinking about things like 
him going so early to games is, is just something that I've not I've not thought about in a little while. But it definitely makes me laugh. And we, you know, me, me and my mum used to joke. He said, "She's like, you must be ready at least half an hour early before he arrives." I said, "You can't, you can't start getting ready at like eleven o'clock if he's coming at half past eleven. It's just not, not just not going to happen that way because he'll just turn up <laughs> at quarter past eleven. Oh, uh, bless him. <laughs> It's a it's very good stories to tell to me. It's really really is engaging. Um, yeah, definitely. So talk talk to me about about some of your your memories of the uh, of well, should we say the last ten or so years? Then um, you've obviously the, the, the majority of them have, have been fair to Midland. You've had a couple of really poor seasons, and you've had a couple of very good seasons. Um, yeah, definitely. Are there that's, any I think that's sort of particular memories and games that stick out? Um... This was actually not a season we got promoted or relegated. So this was the 2008-9 season. Um, so again, I was only about 12 years old. Um, and I was mascot for a game. And we oh, played nice. South and United, yeah. So this was um, Saturday 2008. Um, so that was, yeah, again, things stick in my head. I think the night before I got my braces changed to be blue, got my hair done, all those things. Um and I was just so excited. I couldn't sleep. You know, I was going to be mascot. I was going to be on the pitch. Um, and that was the first time my mum had come down to the men. Like, she she kind of has gone to football with her, like, well, it was her dad, so my, my granddad. Uh, but she didn't really like it. Um, and my auntie came, and my, my nan and my granddad, they were all in the family enclosure. And my dad was on the pitch with me. So I had my full kit on. I think I had blue football boots and everything. And... Yeah, so obviously before the game, you got to meet all the players and the, and the manager, and everyone's so friendly. And my favourite player at the time was Ricky Lambert, and he was just everything. Like when I was young, like I loved loved like meeting him. And that day we won four two, and he actually scored a first half hat trick and scored all four goals. And mm-hmm. it was one of the I think he was only the second striker to ever score four goals at home. Um, in a in a in a league game, I think Jeff Bradford mm-hmm. was the only other one to do it. I know um, Jamie Curriton scored four at Reading, so I'm sorry to bring yes. that up. Um, Thank you. But that, <laughs> but I, I I didn't go to that one. But this is always stuck in my head, and I remember. Oh, I <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so when um, after the game, obviously I was absolutely buzzing. Like we just won. Like my favorite player scored a hat trick, and then I got to write in um, a little article. In the program, uh, in like the young pirates bit, they called about my day being mascot, and it was just something that like just stayed with me forever. And I think I went to a Christmas party uh, two months later, and I said, "Oh, you won't know me, but I was mascot when you played South End and you scored a hat trick." He said, "Oh, you must be my mascot every time now." <laughs> <laughs> so that was that. So that always made me smile. Um, and yeah, obviously being in school, I was one of the only one of the only girls that said they were a football fan, Roman fan, so it was quite rare. I was a massive Lambert fan, like he was my favourite player. Um, always, probably always will be. Um, but the boys used to wind me up, say oh, I would never amount to anything. He was rubbish. Obviously when he left, I was absolutely gutted. But mum said something to me that always said, oh, he said, even though he's not your player anymore, he said, you can always follow his career. So that's kind of what, what I did. I kind of watched, mm-hmm. obviously watched him on TV and then, him making the Premier League, scoring on his Premier League debut, then scoring on his England debut, 
well, when he scored his England debut, I definitely cried that day. It was just the most what crazy. Thirty seconds after he came off the bench, wasn't it? Yeah, first touch, first touch against Scotland, and there's just it was just things like what dreams are made of. Um, but I never like got to watch him live again. I only saw oh, oh well, I did get to see him when he played for Southampton when they were in League One, but I never got to see him live as in person. Um, but mm-hmm. about two years ago, um, Rovers were holding um some fans were holding like this totem boys night they call it um and there's some old players coming and and he happened to be one of them obviously i wasn't born when eastville was around and totem boys were a thing um yeah, i was gonna say I was... the totem was one of the ends at, at eastville wasn't it yeah yeah but yeah. um so but i wasn't around but they said that he was in attendance i was like dad like i have to go like this is my this is my footballing hero I was like, I have to meet him again. Like it's been ten years. Like he might not even he won't even remember me, but I just want to meet him again. And you know they always say like don't meet your heroes. And I remember going up to him and I was physically shaking because I was like this is <laughs> this is like my favorite ever person here. Like I don't know. So Dad was like, look, I'll go first and talk to him. And they brought the picture. And when I was in the in the changing room, I had my picture with him. And he mm-hmm. was like, oh, he said, oh, my gosh. He said, I, he said I've not aged well. Uh, but at the time, he was probably, like, mid-20s. And I was saying, I was about 12. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it was just, like, meeting the same person that I'd met when I was 12. He was just the nicest, nicest person. Um, and I think, for me, it just kind of meant so much. Like, me, like you know, they say never meet your heroes. But I met mine, and it was just the best experience ever. Um, yeah, I, I think... Like, I don't, yeah, it just felt like oh, I, uh, it was definitely like a full circle. It was definitely like a moment that I was so glad I did. Presumably, he remembered the game as well. Yeah, Obviously, he scoring did. four goals. Yeah, mm-hmm. he did. He said, Oh, yeah. He said, I definitely remember that. And he said, Oh, what? Like, how lucky were you to be mascot? I was like, I know. I said, I've definitely used this. Um, I've definitely used this before in like um, fun facts about yourself. So thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just so, so nice. And he signed it and I had a picture with him. and yeah, I think at the time on like Facebook or Twitter, I put picture and I put the old picture and I put that one. Um, but yeah, no, it was just just an amazing day and just like meeting someone like that, you know, who you know been to the Premier League, played for England, played with the best players at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could easily be like up yourself or, you know, like not want to talk to anyone from like an old team um or old fan or something but he just wasn't like that at all he was just so so lovely and I always for me I'll always stay with me because I think mm-hmm. if people treat you nicely um or like at any point of life like that that is always going to have a positive impact on you and that's the thing that like, I say to anyone he's definitely like the nicest person I've ever met in, in yeah. like football player that I've ever met like I've met I've met like a few when I was like young like being mascot or you know Christmas parties or fun days sort of the things but he always stick in my head because he was just so nice mm-hmm. yeah and I think he's uh he's always had that uh that kind of that humble grounding um he's always yeah. been struck he's always struck me as a very approachable person I'm sure he you know even if I went up to him um and after 30 seconds of his time in the middle of the street um he would he would he would almost certainly give it to me um, yeah, if he definitely. had the time and the time and inclination to do it himself, um, he's always struck me um, as that kind of that kind of person, very humble um, and grounded, and and just recognises how lucky he is to have the God-given talent that he's got, um, and knows that you know he is a recognisable face, and people are going to want to talk to him. Um, yeah, definitely. Obviously, so. he's like retired for a few years now. I remember feeling just gutted, but 
at the same time it's like he he did so well like in his career like he it was kind of like a Vardy S kind of start really like started in an academy then got released I think he worked in like a beetroot factory or something and played mm-hmm. for Macclesfield Rochdale and then Rovers Look, I think it's Stockport, Macclesfield, Rochdale Rovers, Southampton, yeah. and then Liverpool, and then West Brom, at Cardiff, it was only, and then he retired. Yeah, it was uh, it was Rovers that really kicked off his uh, his career oh, as well. Yeah, definitely. It was around definitely. that time that he really started banging in the goals, wasn't it? Because yeah, he had Richard yeah, Walker alongside him as well. Yeah, so he kind of came in the 06-07 season, um, and I think he only got about 10 goals that season, and then Walker kind of faded off a little bit in 7-8, and I think he got about 20 goals that season. And then it was the 08-09 season. I think he got 29 goals, was joint top scorer with um, Simon Cox at Swindon, and, and mm-hmm. that was it, really. Uh, and then I think he played one more game for us, played against Lake Norin. I think he scored that day we lost. And then he went to Southampton on the Monday, and that was it. And I was mm-hmm. just gutted because I was like, "Oh, that's my favorite player. He's gone. Like, what am I gonna do?" And and yeah, and, and then but then I always felt a warmth to him, like when he when he played. I mean, I think he scored against us a couple of times when he played for Southampton. But when when he kind of went there, I think he had like a a dietitian because he was overweight at Rovers, and he was still banging in goals. So they knew how good he was. Um, lost. I think he lost a load of weight. He had those better players. It's funny because I was looking back at the Southampton team that we played in that season. I think they had Lalana, Schneiderlin, um, some really. I think Oxley Chamberlain was just starting to come through in yeah. in like oh seven um, in what was it oh eight oh nine and oh nine ten. Jose Font I think was playing Jose for Font, them then. Yeah. And it's funny to see how many of those players actually made it to the Premier League with Southampton in the end. Because I think there was like four or five or got into the Premier League at some point. So it's funny how strong they were, even even back then. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it wasn't like, even though he left, he didn't leave with any sort of like bad, bad taste in our mouth or anything like that. It was just kind of one of those ones where he he, yeah. he, he went for... He, it was It was the right move for him and... Uh, it was one of those ones where we did wish him well, and he he even he never celebrated us against us when he kind of came back or he, he did mm-hmm. definitely scored, um. So which is always like we appreciated that, and um, but when he went on to like play play in the Premier League and score for England, like I know that every single Rovers fan was just so happy for him because we knew what where he'd come from, and yeah, just it's just a really special player, really. It's definitely like my my favorite player of all time. Just a, a, a short side note on that 4-2. I actually remember um, you mentioned it and uh, I've got I've got vivid recollection of uh, particularly the fourth goal. Um, yeah. Uh, that South End team actually, because uh, it, it, it had two red and low knees in it. Um, ah, that makes sense. Hal Robson Canoe up front and Adam Federici in goal. Um, wow. That's yeah. that's crazy. If you think about it. I I I definitely remember now you said about Federici. That does ring a bell of him being in goal. But I couldn't have told you that um that Hal Robson Canley was playing. I know that um Bar- Barrett. What's his first name? I want to say Adam Barrett played for Southend a long time. I think he's only retired in recent years. He was captain mm-hmm. and he used to play for Rovers. So I think I've got a picture of me with the two captains and the referees at the time. Um, so yeah. that always rings a bell, but it's funny when you hear names like that, like Hal Robson Cano, who's been going for what feels like forever, 
um well, especially when he you know played for Wales in the Euros um in Euro uh 2016 it's it's funny is that when you think about those names you know like Federici's one that always springs to mind like seeing him in the I think was he with Reading when they got to the Premier League yes yes he was yeah we signed yeah. him he he signed in 2005 well he was on non-contract terms in 2005-06 signed his first professional deal in 06-07 Oh, wow. um, so that was our first season in the Premier League. So, well, obviously, we've, we've been predominantly talking Rovers, um, but uh, a quick scan of your Twitter profile reveals a... I don't know whether to call it a second love or not, but it's one of those little phenomena that I think a lot of football supporters have, is that they always have their own football league club, and obviously with me, Reading, as people know, with Bristol Rovers and... I know a n- number of other people um, support different clubs. Um, but with you, you've got a non-league club as well. Um, and you do the social media for Ashton Town, do you not? Yes, yes, I do. I've kind of only done that in the last year. Um, so it's kind of been a bit of a funny year, really, like not being able to, well, they, I think they played something like four games, five mm-hmm. games, and that was it. Um, they play in the Northwest Counties um, Division, pre- uh, Premier Division 1. Um, so they're in the same league or will be next year as um, Berry AFC. Um, and Isle of Man has just joined as well. They've just kind of transferred mm. over. So it's a fun, it's a fun league. Um, yeah, I kind of got into that because when I'm, I moved to, I did a placement year in Manchester okay. in 2016, 2017. Um, and I didn't really have an appreciation of non-league football uh, I can I can say that at the time I I didn't really watch anything bar Rovers or England I didn't really know much about it to be honest and then one of my really good friends uh, Gibbo was on the board and did a little bit of social media volunteering at Atherton Collieries and he said oh why don't you come along and I was like oh okay uh, it's, you know it's a Saturday I've not really got nothing to do I wasn't going home. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'll just try it out. And I just loved it. It just reminded me of being at home, just kind of people chatting to you, just asking why you would come in. And, they, you know, they definitely appreciate the, the money or any support that they can get at those levels because they don't have a massive amount of fan bases. And I and I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, being able to chat to players and, like, managers after the game and yeah, and then from that, it just started this like love for non-league in Manchester. I think I've done like 10, 12 different grounds now in, mm-hmm. in, in that area. I've done like Stockport, Altrincham, um, Afton, obviously, FC United. Um, yeah, there's loads I've done. <laughs> I can't even remember all of them because I've done so many. Curzon. Um, and yeah, I just ended up really, really enjoying it. And I think when you when you're in that kind of different environment and you just see how much you know the like the fans mean to a club like that and just how close they can get you know you I just kind of felt like I wanted to give back in a way and mm-hmm. I kind of yeah. got to know Mark who's the chairman at Ashton I kind of seen that they've done a bit like charity games um through a Wigan-based charity called Joseph's Goal um, and they always raise money for that and they kind of play different legends teams I know in the summer they're playing Wigan athletic legends team Again, um, Emerson Boyce is captain. I've actually signed uh, for a little bit last year um, mm-hmm. to Ashton, which is incredible. That was like quite fun to do the social media for that. Um, and yeah, it was just something I kind of 
wanted to do was something a little bit different and I wasn't working at the time um I didn't have a job and I was a bit like a loose end and I didn't really know what to do with myself so I thought why not just ask around see if anyone wants some help so that's how I got into it really um so yeah so that's that's really how I've kind of fallen into like the non-league scene but yeah I definitely um I definitely think that if you can't obviously watch your own football team or you move away and you can't go I always advise either go into like a local team and I think uh or or go into watch a non-league because you know you can definitely enjoy it as much and yes it doesn't have to be your team or you could try different teams out every week I definitely think it's go it's worth going because especially in the last year where these clubs have earned nothing or had no money no income because of the pandemic I know every single club in the whole country has been the same um but yeah, I always advise people to go, and I because I when I I didn't really know what it's going to be like. You know, you think some people might have that preconception it's going to be a bit like a Sunday dog and duck league. There's just one man <laughs> there, but it's not. Like um, Atherton have had, um, well they've definitely grown since I've started watching them. They were in Northwest Counties Premier, and now the Northern Premier League, which so is the league below Comfort North and South. So they've mm-hmm. really gone on a bit of a rise, which is incredible. I've been there where they've played FC United in a in a FA Cup qualifying game. There's been fifteen hundred on the gate, which for a non league mm-hmm. club club like that is incredible. It's huge. Um, yeah. It's huge. It is huge. And you know, I, I've I've yeah, I definitely if I'm ever up in the in that region or and it's like the summer or whenever, I always try and make sure I go to a game. If I'm around, obviously next season will kind of be a bit more different different because I'll be watching Rovers a lot more. Um, but we have a couple of Manchester-based teams next season, so um, who knows? Hopefully, I could be able to do a weekend away <laughs> and uh, perhaps fit in a non-league visit as well as uh, our game against whoever we've got in the league. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, and I've been to watch a few non-league games around like my local area in Bristol. Um, I live quite close to uh, old. Well, I, I live a stones for away from Old and Abertonians, and I went there. Mm. I think back in July of last year, so that when lockdown was kind of starting to ease a little bit, bit, and I've watched mm. it a couple of times. Um, Cabra Heath is not that far away from me, um, and there's loads of teams as well, just always around. So I definitely always, and I, especially when it's like non-league days, I always make sure to like promote it and share yeah. the many many different teams because you know you can i i definitely definitely recommend it to anyone no and i i absolutely echo those those thoughts i mean even if if you don't sort of attach yourself to a specific club there are so many clubs in a specific area you can go to any part of the country and there are you know there's sort of seven or eight or nine different steps or however many and you've got different leagues you know um and even I could say around the Bristol area, you know, a couple of clubs that you haven't even mentioned: Western Supermare, uh, yeah. Mangotts Field. Yeah, yeah, Yate as well. Uh, like there are some decent, uh, decent ones. Even, even at the Southern League as well. I was more mm-hmm. the ones that I like. The ones around here are kind of um, more like lower, like uh, Hellenic League. But yeah, like I think Mangotsfield um, and. Cribs as well, uh, Bristol Manor Farm. Yeah, there's just yep. loads and loads. Just mm-hmm. there are literally loads and loads. So yeah, I definitely. Hopefully, when um uh, things start to ease a little bit and preseason's not that far away, um I'm probably going to try and get out to a couple of games. Hopefully, Rovers. Hopefully, like non-league. Just just see what's see what's about. They're Even always just... good fun, aren't they? The uh, yeah. the, the, the non-league the non-league preseason friendlies. 
I don't go yeah, to them so yeah, much now with Reading, but yeah, they were yeah, very good. Yeah, I used to go, I used to live um, not far away from Lommel Green and sometimes me and Dad would just walk around there and watch it. Um, so that was always good. And, uh, and I'm not advocating that this is a reason why you should go and watch Long League, but up, up and up, well, up until a certain point, um, you can have a drink on the side. So, <laughs> oh, no, that is absolutely a reason to go and watch Long League. That's absolutely <laughs> it. It's one of the points I was going to make. Yeah, um, is yeah. that you know, it's you're not you're not paying um sort of you know twenty quid um no. and watching you know a, a Dow or one nil win here and there. You know you can go and watch the game for what it is. It's no usually no more than a tenner unless you go up to the to the to the very higher leagues of non-league games. Yeah. Usually no more than than a tenner. Like my club Shrivenham, um, it's six pound on the gate, um, and you know you get a program with that if you if you want it. Um, and you can have a pint around the side of the pitch, and you know you watch a decent a decent standard of football as well. You know these are a lot of the players, particularly at sort of as you mentioned, Northern Premier or Southern Premier or Isthmian League. You know they're players that have made the step down. They've been at academies and uh, and youth systems in the football league. They've taken the step down, and they're they're beginning to sort of play the game partly for the love of it, but also to actually start playing the game at a competitive level um, and try and work their way back up. Um, and so, you know, that they have that the players have their own incentive to do their absolute best, um, and you know that generally provides provides a, a decent game. Um, one of the other things that, that I tend to find when I go is in the football league, in the Premier League, you'll see games, and teams are defensively savvy enough uh, to be able to hold out a, a defensive shape, a defensive formation, sort of you know soak up pressure, um, and teams in in non-league. Um, without being in any way patronising, they're not good enough to do that. They know that they're not good enough to do that, and so they'll go out all for the win. Um, and that generally ends up being a very good, wholehearted, end-to-end game, and you're able to uh, to take that in um, basically for what it is. And that's one of the endearing things that I find about the non-league game. I don't know what, what you think about that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think... You know, you you. I think I I think I was more surprised at the level in non-league, and you know, you see those young lads who got released from academies, um, and you know, and and a lot of them are part. Well, especially at a certain level, they are part time. They they've got jobs, day jobs. They're teachers. They're builders. They're butchers. They're whatever they they are, and then they do, and then they play football because they love playing football. And you just tell, I especially when I watched Atherton, it was just such a bond in that team. Um, which when they got like I think they won in the space of three seasons they got a promotion, a cup win, and another promotion, and you could just tell that team was just so solid, and they were just so together. And it's funny it was like it was just it was just like they were just a group of mates that just like kind of grew up together or went to school together, and you would know you wouldn't know that they all come from different backgrounds or, you know, mm-hmm. some some of the lads were like they played at um academies, but some some lads obviously came, you know, just play it because they like to play it with their brother the older brother or the younger brother or mm-hmm. whoever and and then uh, yeah there's some lads um one of the lads his uh younger brother um was a guy called lewis harcastle who's just actually had to retire through um he had a heart i think he had a heart issue and he's just had to he's had to retire at the age of 22 he played at barrow mm-hmm. and i remember I've, I've seen like lewis like watching uh ben when he's played at um Atherton. i think he's at ashton united now um and you know it's like funny to see like how like different siblings do well or you know they're still doing well but obviously at a different level. But that when I heard about Lewis having to retire, I just thought that's just so heartbreaking because 
you know, he, he'd made it to the Football League. He was achieving everything he wanted to achieve and then have that taken away from him through no mm-hmm. fault of his own is just one of those one of those things. But, yeah, it's, I've I always... I definitely, definitely really, really like non-league and I definitely think that, yeah, like, uh, like we've both said, I've probably said it loads and loads of times now, but, yeah, I just... Just give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the other um, interesting dynamics with non-league football is that, you know, if you are... Um, if, 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 if even if you like like a club and you've got an affection for a club, um, certainly for me, I can go and watch the game. I want you know Shrivenham to do the best they possibly can. I want Maidenhead to do the best they possibly can. You know, these are the non-league clubs that I've got a little bit of an affinity for. Um, but if they lose, you know, unlike with Reading, it's the end of the bloody world. But if if Shrivenham lose um, or if Maidenhead do or whoever, if they lose, it's not the end of the world for me. Um, I'll go and watch the game for what it is. Hope the team win. If they don't win, oh well, I can walk away. Um, and I'm, I'm just that little bit of extra detached away from it. Um, and that brings a greater sense of, you know, yeah, a greater sense of enjoyment. Really, I can just watch the game for what it is. Yeah, definitely, definitely about enjoying it without that emotional attachment. Um, and I think you know when you watch your own football team, I, I can put my hands up. I get. I'm far too emotionally involved in it. When they when they lose, my mum would be the first to tell you, like, I am in a bad mood and I've got to get better at that. And I think it's probably better when I'm with my friends because then if you're out and about, you can kind of distract yourself a bit. Um, but I think during the season and I follow, I, I, yeah, and we've lost. Sometimes I'm like a real grump and she was like, you've got to get out of this mood. <laughs> you can't be grumpy all the time. I'm like, I know, but they lost. They were rubbish. Then when they won, I'm happy as Larry. So, <laughs> yes, the highs and lows of a football supporter. <laughs> so, you say that you've um, you'll be watching them on one or watching the gaff on iFollow, um, and of course, um, one of the things that Leah mentioned in her in her podcast was, and I think Kaz mentioned it as well, um, is that people don't have that. They haven't had that opportunity to then vent their spleen in the pub straight after the game. They've gone straight onto social media, and that's where they're venting their spleen. Um, and this is where um, the sexism and the abuse comes in. Um, and I kind of I try not to lead you down the garden path with this, uh, but I'm presuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, that that's your experience too. Yeah, I mean, it. <sighs> Obviously, during lockdown, especially, you know, when you're watching games, you're kind of on on your phone or you might be, like, texting your friends and, like, oh, you're kind of watching it at your different houses and then you're like, oh, look, this is rubbish. And then you go on social media and, especially recently, everyone's moaning about the game or, you know. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, I have seen my friends obviously get that sexist abuse. I kind of got it more when I was younger. I, I have mm-hmm. had, like, that old occasion, like, in the last kind of year or so but mine was more when I was a lot younger I used to get it um like people wouldn't agree with my opinion and just like say nasty things and thing and and stuff um but I used to get it in school I used to get guys or like boys saying in school like laugh at me like oh why are you a football fan or why do you spend your weekends doing that shouldn't you be like going shopping or whatever and I used to be like, I'd go home and be like, Mom, like, why are they saying these things? Like, why can I not go to 
what's wrong with me going to watch football like I love doing it I love spending time with you know my family I love doing that I wouldn't change it for anything and I just just find it really confusing um especially like growing up in a in a family where you know my it was my dad and my granddad predominantly who took me to football and they didn't express those opinions that I shouldn't be going and that's the thing that I used to struggle with because I'm like, but my dad and my granddad take me. If they didn't want me to go, they wouldn't take me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I have a young cousin, um, and he used to come with me and my nan. And and it's like used to be like half family girls, half family of boys like going to football together, and that was the norm. So for me, being told anything different was strange. It wasn't just not in not in the way I was brought up. Um, and yeah, I think. A situation that always sticks out to me um, was, uh, funnily enough, it was when we played Wickham. So I was about 17 at the time. And so we were behind the goal in the Wickham away end. Mm-hmm. And a picture of me was taken and my auntie was next to me. And we were, chat- oh, we were like shouting at the pit, like probably cheer- um, cheering the players on or something. Because um, it's like a live action and my face is all kind of... Um, like all shouty um, but I didn't realise this picture had been taken and it got put on I think it was like a photography account at mm-hmm. the time so and I, I but like, it was uh, like Pinterest I think or something about... like that yeah no no on Twitter this was um, uh, okay yeah, like a... yeah but I didn't like know it had been taken at the game or anything Um and and yeah so it got tweeted and then a couple of people were like oh look it's you I'm like oh this is strange. Like, didn't know where this picture had come <laughs> from. Um, thinking like, oh, that's cool. Like, I've just been a picture of me at a game. Um, and then it was the day or the morning after, and it was the last game of the season, that Mansfield game. And a a boy, a fellow Rovers fan who was a little bit younger than me, took the picture, um, and did two other images zooming in on my face. And I remember, and like there was a few like retweets and likes, and a couple of people like laughing or tagging me in it or sending it to me, and I was just like, like what what's wrong with this picture? Like I'm not doing anything wrong. I was just cheering on the team, the team that we both supported. Um, and I just remember thinking at the time, like I don't want to go to the game. Like I felt really anxious about the way I looked um, because of this picture, because they were zooming in my face, um, and. Yeah, I just felt like really awful and I just didn't want to go to the game. And I never told anyone at the time that that was how I felt. Um, but I went to the game and I remember feeling really anxious, going, mm-hmm. like, is everyone going to look at me? Is someone going to come up to me? Is someone going to come up to my dad or my grandpa? Or someone, is someone going to say something to me? Um, yeah. And thankfully, none of that did happen. And then I think because that day we got relegated, it kind of got forgotten about. And like three months, like three months down the line, it's a new football season. I'm a little bit older. Um, and things had changed but yeah no I just remember that feeling at the time of just feeling like like everyone was against me and yeah it was just especially like to 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 cut to tarnish the way someone looked and at the time I I, I probably didn't I probably didn't realize at the time but that caused a lot of self-esteem issues for me for the way I looked my my Mm -hmm. face my nose and yeah, for a long, long time, I think I really, really struggled with how I looked. I didn't really post on social media about football for a long, for a little while. Um, whereas now, I'm, you know, I'm a lot older. I'm probably like eight years on, 
and I'd be like, if I if that happened to me again, I'd be like, why? Like I haven't, I didn't ask for this picture to be taken. Why are you using it on my face? Like you're clearly the one with the problem, not me. And I'd yeah. have a thicker skin. I'd be like, just like, what, what? What are you jealous that someone just took a random picture of me or something? Like I didn't ask for it to be taken. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely, I, 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 I think doing this campaign has definitely made me reflect on on certain things and what like people have said to me in the past but at the same time my like almost in a way I'm kind of glad that it didn't deter me or stop me from going to watch football because it's something that I love and you know like I've said I I share it with family I've got amazing friends from it and yeah social media can be bad but there is the good side of it and like some of the friends I've made doing this as well getting to know people um Kaz especially she's like become one of my my closest friends and she's definitely brought out like a real confidence in me like talking about football or mm-hmm. doing like little bits and pieces like that, that a year like 15 months ago I had never spoken on the radio before and I couldn't I didn't have the confidence to do so and she was just like oh like just do it just try it um and yeah and after that and getting loads of positive feedback it kind of spurred me on to like well no I can I can do this now like it's fine like you know there's always going to be people that disagree with you but that's okay if you're you've got your knowledge and you're measured and you're you know fair or you know you kind of give a balanced opinion as long as it's your opinion I think that's kind of the best way around things really Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I think um the good thing with um with her game too um is you know you, you mentioned that this this photo that was taken just of you doing something that that came absolutely natural, which was basically shouting at the pitch, presumably. Um, yeah, at yeah. one specific moment in the game. Um, if that ends up being photoshopped in any way, um, in any way, shape, or form in future, which could you know, which is clearly you know detrimental to you as as you know the, your image and, and your and your personality and your uh, and your self esteem, as you mentioned. Um, the good, you know, it strikes as me strikes strikes me as though uh, that you weren't necessarily aware of exactly what to do um, in that in the immediate aftermath of it. Um, whereas now, you know, something like her game too, um, it will it help it will help create that um, that awareness of what to do with something like that, and just to say clearly, it had real you know a real impact on you. It didn't put any words on the tweet. That's all he did. So even yeah. though people might say, oh, they, they just zoomed in on your face, I was like, well, there is obviously an, that, that person clearly saw an issue in the fact that I was shouting at my team and my face was all, like, shouty and my nose mm-hmm. was all, like, flared up or whatever. Um, so that's what the damage... That was the... the um, that's what caused the upset because I was like... But I'm, like, like, like you said, I'm doing something that every other football fan would do, shouting at the pitch, shouting, trying to cheer on their team... It was me and my auntie was stood next to me in the picture, but they just seemed in on me. And I just yeah. thought, like, why are you doing that? But like you said, definitely with her game too now, if that ever happened to me again or if uh, hopefully it would never won, but if that God happened to someone else, a younger person, then, you know, they have know that they'd have low support and people be like, don't do that. Like, that's really nasty. And, and mm-hmm. like, and just be it there to support that person um, if they ever, if they, ever had to go through that unfortunately i think um you know it 
regrettable thing to say, but it is going to happen at some point. Um, and but you know, as I say, with with something like her game two uh, sort of ongoing uh, and, and being created, it does create that awareness of what to do. It does create that network. It does create that that strength in numbers. Um, people rounding and squaring up almost on online to to somebody who's doing that and say no, that is wrong. You don't know the effect that that's going to have on somebody. Um, and uh, in a in 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 a very um, subtle way of saying it, don't do it again, um, yeah. kind of thing. Um, or quite quite off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Moving on into a bit more detail about her game. T- Clearly, as we know, uh, it was launched, uh, went viral. Um, you're clearly, as we mentioned at the very start, you're one of the one of the uh, the women in the video has you know received uh, sexist abuse um, for no no obvious reason. Um, so, how did your involvement come about? Um, and I suppose what next? Uh, for her game too. Um, so Kaz come and spoke to me about um doing a video, um probably about six weeks ago, and she told me about her idea about you know having like uh, a number of female football fans like holding up like comments they've received in their football shirts, and I just pictured this and I thought this is just incredible. So it was like a no brainer for me. You know I know what she'd gone through, um and it was really really hard to see, especially as someone who knows her really well and like a good friend, like it was so un undeserved for what was a jokey tweet at the time um, about another team's score, which is what anyone would do. We would all laugh when we see a funny scoreline. I'm sure that if, you know, and North Korea beat England 7-0 in the, Euro- in the World Cup or something, albeit that I hope that it never happens. If that happened, <laughs> we would all laugh. We would all laugh. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just... Yeah, and so, um, and then after that, she kind of messaged like the ten other girls. Obviously, Leah, who was on um, previously, um, just other girls who said that they kind of even tweeted about experiencing it or um, fan uh, or like fellow football fans that we kind of knew on social media, just to say if they wanted to be involved and kind of what the basic idea was. Um, and the other ten girls said yes immediately. Um, so that's when it started, really, and then we just had this like little like group message going on about like our what the initial ideas were, like what the hashtag was going to be, and I think that was one of the things I liked about it was it felt like such a group effort. Mm-hmm. You know, Kaz was the one who came up with this idea, um, but it, like like you said, you know, we call ourselves like the rest of us call ourselves like co-founders, and it does genuinely feel like that because you know we all chipped in with our own ideas, we all have different strengths. Um, you know, we put picked like the music together. We picked, you know, we all had knew what we wanted to say, um, different ideas about how we want the video to look. Kaz does like editing as a job, so editing the video was kind of an easy kind of. Luckily, we had that person there, um, and yeah, then we were like thinking about all oh, like, do we need social media accounts for it? Um, which definitely was probably the the brightest idea that someone had, um, because you know we we set up the night before, we'd already amassed five hundred followers before the video had gone live because we kind of promoted <laughs> it on our own accounts yeah and then the morning of there was a lot of like excitement but nervous tension like how's this gonna go like what you know what's what's it gonna be like and then when it went up and obviously we all kind of retweeted it straight away 
and within a minute it had 100 retweets I, I just sat at home I was like what the hell I was like what is going on I said this is this is not like I think I felt like I was shaking like like what what we just done here and like it was terrifying but it was like so exciting I think it was more on that day like the overwhelming support and like the football club sharing it was the thing I think that meant a lot like especially for me and Kyle's like Rovers sharing it as well um who are like non-league teams like Yeovil, Exeter, um, Bradford, Peterborough, Luton, you know, so many different clubs got involved and shared our video and just put their own little message. Um, I know since Rotherham and Huddersfield have done their own um articles about her game too, um, saying that they support it as well. And I think that was the thing that was like really meant a lot. And then obviously Laura Woods getting in touch, Michelle Owen, Emma Louise Jones, they like said that they support it as well. And it just it was just from there really it was just like the different people coming like the news wanted to get involved like the local news channel five um amy and eve who are swansea and a bristol city fan they were on sky um on channel five news which was incredible um it was on sky sports article and it was just it was just i think it was beyond any of our kind of recollection um what we, what you imagine i think we were said to each other like oh if we get fifty thousand views like we'd be over the moon with that so <laughs> to amass a million views in just over 24 hours was just oh it's just not like nothing we could have ever ever imagined when we and, you know being fa cup day we kind of even though i think we knew it was fa cup day it wasn't kind of like a forefront like oh we're just going to do this on fa cup day we're kind of thinking of the times Someone said about the start of the season, but they were starting to see other articles coming out from other girls saying about their abuse they'd received. Obviously, Michelle Owen had talked about it a lot on her social media. Mm-hmm. She gets it on a regular basis. And yeah. it just, in the end, like the timing was just perfect. And to be trending like the second highest on FA Cup final day was just, yeah, this is the things that like, you think about now is just like, did that really, really happen? Um, about what's next? Wow, um, that's a really good question. So I think there's some exciting things going on with Hope and Glory. So keep an eye out for that because that will be coming out very, very soon. Um, Interesting. Not heard that one before, but yes, I certainly yeah. will be. Yeah, so that's really exciting. And then we've got, um, yeah, just just talking to different people at the moment, um, just seeing about like what we could do next, like think about another video we potentially do we have set up a fancy league for the euros anyone wants to get involved yes. Mm-hmm. yes so i've done my team and so yeah it's always exciting to do things like that i like i like doing fantasy leagues i don't think i'll do very well but yeah, i've always it's always good to do something fun and it's always nice to keep your interest up especially when premier league fantasy season's over um mm-hmm. and super six and things like that oh actually super six might be running um but I don't do a league in that. Um, yeah, there's just I think there's loads of exciting things. There's always something. We always get a different message every day from someone else and different things to talk about or different people to talk to and people that want to get involved and different messages of support. Uh, whether it's from like Premier League, uh, not Premier League, um, the the football league as well. That them sharing it the day after was really really lovely to see. I know they're really big on trying to. Um, 
like stamp out any abuse and discrimination and, and yeah mm. really about equality and stuff um yeah so we kind of had a few ideas about stuff we could um we could do next about uh, you know promoting the the message perhaps in grounds we're just kind of thinking about what about how we can get our message out there um you know because obviously you know it's great to have this campaign and have this message but we want to share it far far and wide and Mm-hmm. I think the main main point of it is we want to make it a safe space. We will make football grounds a safe space for young girls and young boys and anyone who wants to go to be able to go and enjoy their football team without the worry that someone might come up to them or say that they shouldn't be in the ground or they shouldn't be supporting their team because they're a girl or female. It just it just shouldn't happen, and and no one mm-hmm. should be able to. No one should be made to feel that way, and and to be told any different. You know, if you if your mum, dad, auntie, uncle, brother, sister, grandparents, whoever, friend, you know, if you end up going to football and you love it, and even if you don't, like some people go and they don't like it or they just dip in and out or things change and they can't go all the time. But if that's something that you love, you know, you know, people shouldn't say any different. Everyone's got their reason for why they love their football team and why they support that football team. And you don't know what the, that football team means to a person. So... No one should be saying that anything else. Otherwise, that that's that's my my mm-hmm. view anyway. This might sound a little bit of a cringeworthy question, um, but uh, based on pre-recording this, um, what exactly are you wearing at the moment? Oh, so this is a jumper that's been made <laughs> by um, uh, uh, retro football tops. They um, they just decided that they wanted to create these her game two jumpers. Um, and hoodies, which is, you know, extremely kind of them. Um, so, yeah, so Amy's kind of talking to them at the moment because we didn't know it was going to be created. They just said, surprise, here you go. I was like, oh. <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, wants to buy buy them and, yeah, just, you know, show show our name. Um, uh, well, our, our hashtag everywhere, which is obviously mm-hmm. Fair Game 2. And yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's that's why we're wearing it. I know Kaz has got hers. I think a couple of other girls have got theirs. Um, but yeah, no, this may may not be the the only time you see a her game two on a um somewhere on a shirt. That's all I'm going to say because mm-hmm. I don't want to get into any trouble. <laughs> no, um, I'm, no, sure. I, one of the things that I was going to really what I'm really getting at is you know the potential for for merchandising and fundraising for the cause. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Which would be a great way to, to raise money. I know that's definitely something that we've. We have talked about, and I know that obviously we don't know what what sort of things might come from it. But I know that we definitely want to find like a charity or charities that we could donate to, like for women's football, or grassroots, or something that something that will um, it would go to like a good cause or something. Because you know these, like, like I've said before, like grassroots women's clubs, you know, they all come from somewhere, and you know to support them, and you know there might be other young girls. I I just play football as a youngster. Um, I'm I'm sadly far too injury prone. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing. Like supporting those grassroots like levels, you know, those, those young kids, young boys and girls that come through um, on a Sunday just playing their their football, and you know that's how they get picked up. My my cousin used to play at a really low level one, and he got picked up, and he ended up going to an academy for about four years. He's only just been um, recently released now at eighteen, but. Um, but yeah, no, he's going back. Hopefully, going back into the non-league game um, soon in the summer, like when the new season mm-hmm. starts. But uh, but yeah, but like women's football, like I've I've got a good friend of mine, Joe. Her daughter Ellie 
she's she's a brilliant young footballer. She's only about ten. Um, she plays for Bolton Wanderers girls, and mm-hmm. I always see them and they're playing, and she always gets like player of the match, or you know, she looks like she's always there with a smile on her face, and I just love that because I'm like, you know what, that that's what you want to do, and no one should say that you shouldn't be able to do it. Like they've played with boys, and now they've got their own little girls team, and it's it's great, and you know, you know that what someone from that team or her, or, anyway, could even if they don't play at the highest level, they could go on and have a decent career from it and I th- I definitely think growing up now there's a lot more um female role models in football that I didn't I wouldn't I mean obviously you had kind of like Rachel Yankee and, and players like that but nowadays I feel there's so many more and just from different clubs as well like if I was growing up now you'd look at like Lucy Bronze um Frank Kirby uh Liam Williamson from Arsenal mm-hmm. um you know, there's just loads of managers like Casey Stoney as well. I know that she's got um, she had abuse last week because she got linked to a non-league job mm-hmm. um, at Wrexham. I mean, there's no indication whether she's been offered it, can take it, even at an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really saddened to see that as well, just because well, she this was... is just it. Because ultimately, and that's the thing. it's it's still out there. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that is is inevitably going to happen is you know, um, football management um, in the women's game um, that you're going to have talented managers who are going to make the break into the men's game at some point. Um, you know, we, I remember back in the '90s when Wendy Toms became the first um, first female to to officiate in a football league game, um, and actually she was very good. Um, you know, she was equal to her, her ability was equal to the men's um, and you had the issues with of course Richard Keyes and um, Andy Gray um, on the back of the comments that they made about uh, Sean Massey. Massey that's it yeah um, yeah so uh, you know you, you had and they rightfully you know ended up being being sacked for that yeah um, and, and she does you know, an excellent job she's still showing the Premier League now she, she is she's she is easily one of the best um, assistant referees on the circuit by Absolutely. a good stretch. By yeah, a good stretch. She does not get many wrong at all. No. No. Um, so, you know, you look at that, that level of, of, um, of physical ability um, and there is no reason why women shouldn't end up coaching in the game, managing in the game. Uh, you see, you know, women physios, um, you, you know, you see women all over the game except um, on the management side. Um the sky is the limit for women in the game. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to coaching I and mean, management. If you look at the Chelsea women's manager, uh, you know, they had an excellent season. They won almost everything. I think they only lost the Champions League final. I think she got linked to the AFC Wimbledon job. She obviously didn't get it. I think it went um, internal. But I see her and I just see how talented she is and how well, if, if, they, if Chelsea have another really good season, she could easily be linked with a job in the football league, and if she went for it and she got it, fair play to her because I mm-hmm. I do not see any reason why she should not get a job in the football league if she chooses to apply for it, and that's a personal decision. She might not be it. She may say, "Oh, I don't want to apply for this job," and that's absolutely fine. But there shouldn't be that limitation where if she chose or whoever chose to apply for the job in the men's game, that they are just their CV is thrown out before. Mm-hmm someone against someone that I don't know had no experience at, for example 
if like, I'm not gonna apply for the job because I have no experience of managing teams. But like, if a if a male, for example, had never managed a football team before, um, and they got an interview over the the, the lady who's been coaching for ten, fifteen years, mm-hmm. like that, that just that's not fair. Like that, just, yeah. that shouldn't happen. But obviously, you know, it's I, I mean, potentially maybe in five, ten years, who knows? Some there may be that crossover between the men and the women's game in terms of manager, but we ju- we just don't know. We're just gonna be it'll be interesting to see how that progress. Uh, it's been how, how have you found it? Is it, is it it's yeah, been it's been fine. Yeah, definitely. It's been it's been yeah, really fair for Utah. It's actually like nice to be able to talk about my granddad as well because I'm not um <laughs> it's the first time I've actually well no, I did speak a little bit on another podcast, but this is probably the first time I've spoken a lot more more mm-hmm. openly about um because obviously it's kind of like he kind of passed away before the hurricane two stuff came out yeah so which in a, in a way is kind of really got in because he never got to see it and he never got to know but at the same time i know he would have been like super super supportive because i know what the person he was and like my nan's been telling telling loads of people it's like oh lucy's on the tv or oh, lucy's doing this i'm like oh thanks <laughs> and i know yes, that my... lot... <laughs> yeah haven't you I I've not done it, no. But the girl, some of the girls have. Leah, Leah did it um, with Kaz. Um, of course, the other yes. girls. Yeah. Yeah. So she did it. Um. But yeah, no. It's yeah. It's, it's it's sad in some ways, but then at the same time, I'm like, it's so. Um. It's been like it's definitely been giving me kind of a really good focus on this kind of like really kind of difficult few, couple of few weeks. Um. Mm. Really, just having like something to do and something to kind of you know something like to be proud of as well um that I can kind of get my teeth into really and just do something that mm. you know is a really 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 good thing that you know I, I say to Kaz like you know this you should be really really proud of yourself about doing this you know what what we've done is you know not easy you know putting yourself out there at risk of getting people saying stuff to you um mm-hmm. but at the same time we've we've done something that will hopefully like someone someone something always sticks I was on the Sunday, someone said to me, oh, you're creating a problem. It was from someone who was a non-league media officer, which really got got my back up. I was like, right, okay. A middle-aged man, a media officer at a different, a non-league club. And he said, oh, you're creating a problem that doesn't exist. And I just, well, I just sat there and I laughed. Because I was like, yeah, I mean, at this point, we'd had over a million views, but we're creating a problem that doesn't exist. And I just quoted it and went, this person thinks that we've created a problem that just doesn't exist. So feel free to go through all the messages we've had from hundreds and hundreds of girls who've said, yeah, this is what I've experienced too. Because obviously there's hundreds of us that are clearly just lying and creating a problem that doesn't exist. But and, I, and but the thing is, it was nice because there were a lot of people replied like guys and girls was like supporting like you're you're you've just got it wrong and 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 they were like oh you know you've you can go to games you can watch football that should be enough i was like wait so we should accept sex as abuse because we are allowed to go to football and i was just sat there like you know i can't even be bothered to argue with these people i was like and i think i was more shocked because they, you know, they volunteer for a non-league club. I'm like, you really want your club to? Do you you want to promote your club in that way? Mm-hmm. That's quite of, sad, really. Yeah. 
Uh, I could imagine you were spitting feathers oh, and swearing in the middle of it as well. I mean, yeah. part of me, part of, inside, I felt really angry, but I just thought you're never gonna, you're never gonna change people's minds. And I was like, I, I, I was like, I said, we're not. I said, you know, we may. I'm not gonna say we're gonna change the world. You know, I know. <laughs> You know, but we want to make it things better for the next generation. But it didn't come back to anything like that. It didn't come back to that one. So, um, moving on to what is rapidly becoming my favourite part of the the, the show, um, what I call the significant six. So these are the six questions um, that tend to um, produce the happiest the happiest speech through the uh, through the microphone. I think that's the best way to put it. So, uh, question one: Your favourite game. <sighs> Um, I think I will have to go for um the Dagenham home game in twenty. I've got to get my year right now, twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. Um, so that was our final game of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. We were fourth going into that game. We just beat York four one away the week four, but the other two teams in the playoffs, um, sorry, in the top two, Oxford and Accrington had also won. So it meant we were fourth. And at worst, we were going to finish fourth. Um, Dagenham had already been relegated, but they'd had a decent couple of weeks. I know that they'd come, they beat Plymouth 3-2 after being 3-0 up inside 45 minutes, just a few weeks before. Um, so they were even, they, even though they were relegated, they were actually having a good time. <laughs> well, I would say a good time. They were doing all right again. Um, and I think they actually didn't finish bottom in the end. Um, and they had Matty Cash, who scored the first goal against us. There was over 11,000 Rovers fans. Um, and I remember not feeling too nervous. Uh, like I felt like because I didn't expect anything. I think, well, you know, last game of the season, let's just go and enjoy it. Going to be in playoffs next week. And then Billy Bowden scored what what is a very underrated goal because it doesn't get talked about because he twists and turns about three defenders in the box, um, scores up the other end, so in front of like near what we call the away end, but there wasn't too many fans. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, so it was one all. Not what I, what I call that, but um, I don't know if you call it the same as, as what, where I've got this from. But I call it the tent. Yeah, the tent. Yeah, the tent. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's not. There's, there's no offense of calling the tent. It's the tent. <laughs> um, yeah, so we scored at the tent end, um, and then it was one all. And as the game goes on, we know we are still one all. We know Watford are about two 0 up, so we're like, that's fine. But Aquinton were nil nil against Stevenage, so. In my head, I was thinking, you can't think about that. You can't think about that. And then, um, 92nd minute, uh, kind of, they start running through Rovers. Um, Jermaine Easter passes it out. Taylor cuts inside. He hits the post, bounces back, and there is left back Lee Brown to tuck it in and just set off what I can only describe is pandemonium. There were people on the pitch. Daryl Clark ran half the half the length of the pitch. I was just crying. It was just mental. I think I was hugging people I didn't know. It was just it was chronic. Then we had to wait a couple of minutes till our game had finished, and people were going on the pitch. I just I just couldn't go on the pitch because Accrington Stevenage was still 0-0. And apparently, I I've heard that this was they hit the post or the bar twice in those added on time. Mm-hmm. So, which is crazy, and then someone had said to me, "Tent me a text," and I was stood next to my cousin. And they said, "You've done it. You're up." And I just, I was just gone then. And then you just hear this noise. It just felt like a volcano erupting. 
of just noise and yeah and then I was on the pitch I couldn't find anyone and then obviously I went up and saw my my nan and my granddad and my mum and my auntie and I just hugged them and we all had tears in our eyes and then we watched the trophy presentation and then I was like I want to find my dad because my dad was in the the Thatcher's end but we weren't stood together um and because well, we kind of stood apart because it was so packed like I couldn't stand next to him and then I found him down Gloucester Road and then we met everyone else and I think I just we just celebrated until long long into the night and it was just just the most incredible incredible day I think it wasn't just back-to-back promotions it was just for me I just don't think I'll ever get a memory like that watching football uh it's a it's a really really vivid um great description that um <laughs> Thank ho- <you>. hopefully <laughs> hopefully your favorite away ground is also as, as vividly described favorite away ground um i definitely think that's a, probably a harder question because there's a lot of away grounds that i go um i've been to a lot of a lot i've been quite lucky actually i've done a lot of away grounds um i trying to think so ones that we've won at that, that's always a harder question I'll go with, um, even though we've not got one there, I'll go with Sunderland um, because when we went the time where we, so we, we lost to one and it was just, it, we went, I went up for the weekend. It was a really, really good weekend actually. Um, apart from the freezing rain after the game, it was just ter- terribly cold. It was terribly cold. It's right at the end, just before Christmas, it's freezing, but it was still a great game. And um, we, we, I'd gone up the night before and we all went out and then Graham Coughlin had just become manager. Dell had just been sacked that week, um, which was really, really sad because obviously he was our manager when we got promoted twice. Um, and then we scored quite early on. I think it was Rodman and he right in front of the away end and it was just it was just an amazing, amazing day. Um, and then... Obviously, we lost and we hit the post in the last minute, but it was just, I think... Cause... Sorry, sorry, you, you say right in front of the away end, even though you're right up in the gods. Right up in the gods. I, so, <laughs> uh, we were kind of, we were, I was probably about seven rows from the front, so we had quite a good yeah. view, so it was looking right down. Um, so, yeah, and it was, um, and, I, and my granddad came up on the coach, bless him, um, with a couple of his friends, like, they went up on the coach. Um, and I was just like, you're crazy doing a long hour trip like that. You should, I was like, but, you know, we both had a bit of a fear of the height. So I always remember that. But it was just like a special day. Like I loved any away game with my granddad. It's probably my favourite away game. But that one, and I think another one that sticks in my head was one of the last ones in the 2019-2020 Cartel season was Shrewsbury away. Mm-hmm. Um, and we won for free. Um, Liam Sturcombe scored an absolute screamer in the second half. We were tuning up inside 15-20 minutes, um, and and um, Agogo scored the the fourth fourth goal uh, in eighty fifth minutes, and there was there were some serious limbs. I think I ended up with bruises all down my leg, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> hitting the the chair in front of me. And I went with my dad. Um, I took a really nice picture that day of me and my dad. Um, and I, I, this makes me laugh because we went to the pub before. I was chatting to a few Shrewsbury fans as we were walking up to the ground and they were like, oh, how do you think we're going to get on today? I was like, oh, I said, well, we don't really score many. And they were like, well, we don't concede many. So, and they were like, "Um, oh, so it's going to be a nil-nil game. Obviously, absolutely not a nil-nil game. It was was just a brilliant, brilliant game. And and the the ground's always like a decent, decent ground to go to. I know a few Rovers fans don't like them, but I think because they were the first team I ever saw Rovers play, um and 
Oh, fun. well, I hadn't seen them beat them a few times after that, after that 06, 07 season. So it was nice to see them beat them then. And then we'll see we beat them away. Actually, we beat them twice this season. <laughs> Bradley, <laughs> sorry, it was all the shock in my voice that we actually beaten someone this season. Okay, that's excellent. Really good. Um, I've, I've, I've been to the stadium a lot. Uh, Three or four times. Um, I've not been there since they moved the away fans up into the uh, the gods. Into the gods. Yeah. yeah, away fans used to be at the other end of the pitch. Um, yeah. I've seen us win there, which was uh, which is rather nice. Yeah, um, no, we, we we beat them at home. Actually, when we beat them at home, uh, set again twenty nineteen twenty twenty season. That was um, I wasn't there. I was I was still away at that point. I didn't come home until a week later due to lockdown. Um, that was actually the last game that my granddad ever went to um, when we right. went to now when Johnson Clark Harris scored. So I guess um, that's always kind of going to be a memory for me because even though I wasn't there on myself, it's always going to be something that sticks in the head. And it was actually um, mm-hmm. a day before his 70th anniversary of his first ever game. That that, right. uh, that, that Sunderland game, sorry. Sunderland so, game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's always, yeah, it's just kind of a, a weird kind of circle of life thing. Yes. So, um your favourite season? Um, God, that's hard. Um, I will, I will go with, I'll go with the 2014-2015 season. So that was the season before we got the second promotion. Just purely mm. because, even though we were non-league and the beginning part of it was really difficult, there were some really fun games in that season. When we, when you go in and we were beating everyone like four or five nil every week, <laughs> it was quite fun. <laughs> um, you know, we would go into grounds and I know people talk about. I I didn't go myself, but the Woking one, there was fans locked outside because we took too many and couldn't fit us all in. And you know, you go in Kidderminster away on Easter Monday when we won three nil, and then on the three days before it was Easter, it was Good Friday and we played Chester. We won five one. And and it obviously culminated in the promotion at Wembley and the playoff final, which is a very stressful day. Um, but mm-hmm. I always remember the our last game, we 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 messed up promotion automatically the week before because we drew one all with Dover. Following week, I come home and we play Alfreton. We go 1-0 up inside, say, 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I actually sustained an injury. So basically, the weight of three men fell on top of me and fell on top of my shoulder, and I was stood, and I was in the middle, um, which is why I wouldn't wouldn't stand with my dad anymore for busy games because I had to be near a barrier. So that's my lesson mm-hmm. learned from that day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, yeah, and it hurt my shoulder, but I wouldn't refuse to leave, even though I was in massive amounts of pain. Saw the other six goals. Obviously, we finished second. We don't go up that day. I get carted off to A and E, and they said that I pulled a torn a muscle in my shoulder so it meant two weeks in a sling uh, and I missed out on the playoff games because I was revising for my first uni exams and I was absolutely mm. glad I never did forest green I uh, missed out on forest green three times that season both uh well the playoff games and the away game I missed out and I was absolutely gutted um not thinking that we'd end up playing them again next season um, and I just remember seeing like Taylor doing the worm and, and Alice Harrison got sent off. And then there's a picture when we won that playoff um, semi-final second leg. Uh, Linesy just scored, uh, like who's like a cult hero for Rovers, scored a brilliant goal. And him coming Chris back. Lines. Yeah, Chris Lines, sorry. 
Um, and then there was a picture of all the players in a in a in a huddle after the game and the manager. And then Daryl Clark turned up in the pub down on Gloucester Road called the Vic, which is gone now, um, and saying that we were going up, um, which is a bit preemptive. <laughs> uh, I can admit that. Um, and it basically got into the paper at Grimsby, who we got in the playoff final. Didn't yeah. go down very well there, um, unsurprisingly. No. Um, fast forward to the playoff final, we obviously we went one 0 down early, but that's what we do. We always go one 0 down in finals. It happened it happened at Wembley the first time. It happened then, mm-hmm. um, and then a goalkeeper almost got himself sent off. He, well, he should have been sent off. He um, handled the ball outside the area, but thankfully, yeah, yeah. the referee was kind to us that day and didn't send him off. Although we should, he definitely should have been sent off. <laughs> um, and then Alice Harrison scored a cracker. And it stays one all for the rest of the game. And then I was just getting worse and worse. And we got to penalties and I just grabbed my dad's hand. I just said, it's going to be a long 10 minutes. And then we won and I just I just <laughs> felt, cried again. There's, there's a recurring theme here. I cry a lot when it comes to football games. Um, <laughs> um, well, that's, yeah. that's the emotion. Sometimes, that's sometimes emotion. It, yeah. it's not just, that's, you know, some, many people think it's very weird. Um, but when... You, you know, it's almost as though you, 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 when when you cry at a football match, it's the culmination of you know ninety minutes or not even ninety minutes, but a whole day or a whole period of times worth of of trepidation, um, of anxiety, of hope, and, and at the end of it, it's either despair or or, or absolute adulation. Yeah, um, that you one know, was definitely you're not, you're not crying from a, yeah, you're not crying from a standing start. Um, yeah, no. I, it you know it, 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 there's so many people that, that that wonder why, but you know you you're absolutely not the first, I and mean, you won't be the last person to say that you've cried at football on this podcast. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah, um, that was so that was, um, and it was just watching. There's like when Mansell hit that pa- score that penalty, and you just it's it's funny to watch the videos back because everyone just lost it. They just all mm-hmm. gone like celebrating. Um, and then when I watched it back, so I didn't even realise that Daryl Clark had run halfway down, halfway down the pitch because I just fell off. I think I just fell on my seat just crying or I fell into my dad. And then mm-hmm. and then when you watch it back, there's a picture of the, um, of there's a picture, I think it was in a magazine, football magazine, like 442. There's a picture and Linesy turns off and faces, goes to the Rovers fans, Chris Lyons. Mark McChrystal, who was captain at the time, just fell to his floor. So he was part of the team that got relegated for Rovers. And all mm-hmm. the rest of them run to Mansell. Um, and I just thought that's just such raw, raw emotion. And then, obviously, parting all the way home on the train. And then I was found a video of Daryl Clark, who then was out, obviously, having celebrations with the players, rightfully <laughs> so, yeah. and decided to do a speech about the Grimsby Telegraph, which is also went viral, um, uh, which included the words, print that, you bastard. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's still one of the best videos. And, you know, for those couple of seasons, yes, even though he went down with Rovers, Daryl Clark will have a place in my heart and mm-hmm. hit Rovers history forever and ever. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so your favourite ever away day? Is that going to come for 14, 15 as well? Um, that's really, really hard. I think it's like lo- some of my favourite away days have almost been like when we've... No, I- I'll go with... This is actually really early. So I think this was 
09 10 and this was Swindon away and we won 4-0 early kickoff mm-hmm. yes uh, Lyons sco- Chris Lyons scored Paul Heffernan scored Joe Kafour scored and yeah it was just I've been to Swindon a number of times now um, and that one always sticks in my head I think it was one of my first I think it might have been them at Yeovil I always can't remember which way around it was was one of my first ever away games and um, so, like, doing it wasn't uh that season, but Swindon and Yeovil were my first two away games that I got taken to. So, mm-hmm. that one is always the 4 0 always sticks in my head. I know it was a couple of seasons later, just because it was like a sunny day, we were brilliant at the time. Um, and yeah, and then we beat Yeovil 3 0. It must have been the season before. Um, and someone in goal, Alex McCarthy, was in goal. And I think it was Joe Four, whoever robbed him in the edge of his box and went round and scored an easy tap in down the end and raining. There's, and... there's a recurring theme here about goalkeepers being on loan from Reading and uh, Rovers <laughs> absolutely smashing them. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> Alex McCarthy was on loan from us, yeah. Yeah, oh, of course. So that, yeah, those two always stick in my head. Um, but yeah, no, I think sometimes favourite away games can't, isn't always about the the game or winning it's almost I'd say it's all about the people that you're with and those yeah. two are sticking my head because I was with my granddad and you know and that that's you know I've I've said it that's that's what I miss like I miss going away at games with my granddad mm-hmm. one of my last ones was like self end away and I think we drew one all um and we didn't play very well but it was a nice day and I went to Rotherham like we lost similar season and you know even though sometimes we've been to away games and lost we've had some horrible defeats we've seen some rubbish rubbish games um mm-hmm. but we've seen some really really good ones like brentford away um their old oh what's it called their old ground called the griffin park we won three yeah. one up there and on, on my dad's birthday actually um and that was a really special day um chris dixon scored two this guy we got on on loan from charlton to um replace lambert that was the only two goals he ever scored for us um, it was like a one one day wonder. <laughs> um, that always sticks in my head. Like going there, and we were I think we were top tier that day. Um, and it's just there's just those grounds, Sunderland away, even though we lost Leicester away, we did. Um, that was that was that was an incredible day because I've never been to the Walker Stadium since. Um, and it was like the longest ever trip we'd done on a Saturday, and he drove up mm-hmm. and um, and uh, again. Uh, Joker for he, he was a decent player for us over a couple of seasons. He was like this little um guy, and he scored an overhead kick. Um, with sixty-five minutes, and just the whole place just erupted. We lost two-one with two. There was two goals on eighty-nine and ninety-two for Leicester. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was just those teams that we had in in that league. Um, over a couple of and years, Leicester, we had... Le- that's the only two. That's the only season Leicester have been outside of the top two divisions, and they romped it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they um and. A fun fact about that is less when we played Esther at home, that was the only time Lambert ever missed a penalty for us. Right. Was 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 at home. I can't I couldn't I can't I should know who played in goal for Leicester at that time. He was the only keeper to ever save a penalty against Lambert. Interesting. Very interesting. Was that Casper Schmeichel then? Or was he I a, don't was he know because I reckon then? it was two thousand and I can't get this right. I think this was two thousand eight nine, so this was a long time ago. It might. Right. I, I, I don't think it would have been Casper Michael there. No. Oh, well, absolutely. So, <laughs> so, um, so 
perhaps a slightly difficult question, but your favourite current Rovers player? <laughs> oh, gosh. That, that's a hard one. Um, I did. This was one I was thinking about earlier because all the rest of them is kind of like, just come, well, apart from what I know the next question is because the next question is an easy answer for me. <laughs> current favourite Rovers player? Mm. I will go with... I'll go with Jakola. Um, he's our goalkeeper from Finland. And again, Jakola. Uh, who, funny <laughs> enough, come from Reading. <laughs> Another yeah. one. Um, just because, obviously, he got injured again. He got he got in, he's got injured twice now, so he only <laughs> sees half a season. But he has definitely, definitely saved us in a lot of games. I remember we went to Rochdale away, and he second half we were two and up quite easily. Um, it was when we were under, under Graham Coughlin and then they scored a, uh, like a goal back quite early on and then for 30 minutes they were just peppering us. They would just save after save after save. And I definitely think he saved us in a lot of games like the last couple of seasons, even though we didn't go down and then we have gone down. He has been the difference in a lot of games, which is quite quite worrying when your goalkeeper is the difference when you should have mm-hmm. strikers to do that job see Johnson would have been my favourite if he hadn't have left uh, just yes, because of the fact he scored yeah so yeah. he's you know he's everyone knows what his talent's about and I'm glad that um, the rest of the football league got to see that this season because he is a real real star he's a real real talent but god there's something there and if 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 his club comes in from next year or goes up to Peterborough and shines like Lambert did um, he could go on to even bigger things. He's only twenty five, twenty six, so he's got he's got time on his side. So I hope mm-hmm. I hope he does well. So um, tell me about your favourite all time Rovers player and why is it Ricky Lambert? <laughs> well, I probably discuss. I could discuss him until the cows come home. To be honest, um, <laughs> Ricky Lambert was my favourite player from 11, 12 years old. Uh, even though the boys in school used to give me stick for it and say he will never amount to anything, he clearly did. Um, being able to be mascot when he scored all four goals is something that I'll hold on forever. Like the pictures and the memories and just the just the nice, warm person that he is or at, at, was when he was a player. Obviously, I got to meet him ten years later and what what special day that was. And just he's just his talent. He was just as a goal scorer. When he was inside, outside the box, dead ball situations, he was the man. He scored free kicks for us. He scored penalties for us. He scored tap-ins. He scored volleys. You name it, he, he was scored He was a complete it. striker, wasn't he? Um, he, had, he had everything as a striker. He wasn't the most pacey, but if a, a ball comes in the box, he had his head, either had his head on it or his foot on it, and the goalkeeper is going to have to be making a hell of a save if it's on target because that's going in. Exactly. Um, exactly. I, I remember. I remember him playing for Southampton against Reading uh, the season that Saints went up um, straight after the, they because they did the double the double promotion as well. Yeah. Uh, and he uh, he's so so intelligent. Um, and he he often. He said, "How many goals did he score that season?" He must have scored I at think least he ten got goals. Um, yeah. He got about 30, uh, 30 goals that season, but he yeah. must have scored about ten goals by just loitering on the edge of the box and nobody ever seemed to pick him up he just used to find this pocket of space or you could you could you know just loft a ball into the far post and he drift onto the uh onto the full back uh penalties free kicks uh, he just had it all he had it all uh he was it's just a supreme 
supreme striker. Teddy Sheringham-esque, really, wasn't he? Yeah, definitely. And I was just glad that the, the rest of the country got to see what a talent he was as a player because he really, really was. And I'm, I'm really glad that he got those few years at Southampton and that little time at England, although um, he didn't really get that opportunity at the World Cup that perhaps I thought he should have. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe being slightly biased but he was a different option and even though they took him they never gave him really a shot um, which was a bad World Cup anyway I don't need to talk about that World Cup because that was a terrible time um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah no I was it was just for me it was just it, it was just so amazing to see someone that you was you know I call him my football hero because from, from growing up he was you know people might have Rooney or Ronaldo or Messi or whoever you know, it could be whoever you were. It was growing up. I know my, my granddad's favorite player was Jeff Bradford, for example, who mm-hmm. still has the record goal scorers for Rovers, and was. I mean, he played for England, scored for England, um, and he told me many, many a story about him. And I, one of those players that I'd wish, wish that I could have watched because he just sounded in. He just sounded super special, um, and I was glad that I kind of got my own. He was no, obviously, Jeff Bradford, everyone's different, but he was like my Jeff Bradford to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I know it's just, and when I look back at that time, it was the beginnings of me going to Rovers. And I'm glad that, you know, being a 12 year old like girl, um, having that player that I just loved and looked up to was just everything for me. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Lucy, I think that's a really, really good place um, to end it uh, on just a, a little sort of happy memorial note there. Um, I just want to, to say that your really, really shines through this last, well, it's nearly three hours now that we've been speaking. Oh, um, thank you so, so much. And yeah, no, I am. Um, yeah, football will never be the same without him. But um, like, I, like I said to him and like I said to people, like, our our love for Rovers will carry on through me, um, mm-hmm. the love that he had and his granddad had, and, and that will carry on, whether it's on social media, in the ground, on the radio, on TV, wherever I may be, Rovers will, will always carry on through me, whether they're non-league, Premier League, I don't care. It's just, it's our club, and yeah. you know, that's that's what being a football fan's all about. Absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree more. Um, as I say, and I'm sure, you know, with your... Uh, with your work with her game too, um, and any future endeavours that, that you that you undertake, he'll be looking down with with beaming pride. Um, it's I've absolutely no doubt that uh, it, it, his love for you was every bit as uh, as, as equal as, as your love for him. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you about about that. Um, oh, I'm really you so much. Uh, really really good to hear that that you're you're able to uh, to to open up about him now. Yeah, um, so, thank you. Um, Thanks for giving me that opportunity to do that today. No, it's absolutely fine. It's my pleasure. Um, just a, a quick note. Um, the uh, uh, social media and uh, the website for Her Game 2, whereabouts can we get to you? Um, so we are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, Twitter and Instagram is Her Game 2, or one word. Uh, Facebook is Her Game 2, and there's also a website for her game two now i want to say it's hergame2.co.uk yeah so that's where we we have we have a brand new website now so check it out as well marvelous thank you for that and uh just a quick one on terrace memoirs you can get me at terrace memoirs on so on twitter 
there is uh, obviously a Facebook group of the same name. Um, and if you want to come on the show, if you've got any criticism or you want to sort of offer any kind of feedback or whatever, um, please um, sling me sling me a DM or sling me a uh, an email. The email address is erismemoir at gmail dot com. Um, otherwise, uh, Lucy, as I say, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, uh, thank you so so much for coming on the show, and hopefully you found it find it enjoyable. Thank you. Yes, I really found it really, really enjoyable. So thank you again for having me on and supporting no my problem. game too. Thank you. This is Terra Zamwas. Over and out.